Greetings from the Plastic City. I am Jamie Cheek. This is A View from the Couch. Thank you so much for joining me on today's episode. This is an instant reaction episode following Georgia's win over Mississippi State 31-24 between the hedges. First time the dogs have been back home since the middle of October. And if you listen to the preview podcast this week, the game did not go the way I thought it was going to go. There'll be a lot of time over the next couple of days and leading into next week's game against South Carolina to talk about the long-term implications of what we saw on the field tonight. But I, I just felt like, strangely enough, for the first time since the Alabama game, I felt like it was really important to go ahead and just give some raw reaction to what we saw on the field tonight. So this will be a shorter podcast. Uh, so a lot of you guys that let me know that sometimes I get a little long-winded, this is going to be right up your alley. We're going to keep it short. We're going to talk about the good. We're going to talk about the bad. And because we're Georgia fans, and let's be honest, we're a negative group of people, we're going to start with the bad. If you watch the game, you know what the bad is. The number one bad is the Georgia defense. Heralded at the beginning of the year, a lot of talk, even after the Arkansas, Auburn, and Tennessee games, although there were a lot of points given up in the Tennessee game, a lot of talk about being the best defense in college football. Go on the road to Tuscaloosa, play very, very poorly against Alabama. Still, a lot of national pundits and even, even local people talking about, hey, Alabama is elite. Offense is just going to beat defense in, in football in 2020. And then the game against Florida, obviously, two weeks ago. And now we see a defense that I don't even know what to think. You know, 336 passing yards surrendered to Mississippi State tonight to a, a true freshman who is starting only his second game. Coming into the game, had more interceptions than touchdowns. Georgia dropped a couple of interceptions late in the game, finally got to the quarterback a couple of times. But the M.O., as I talked about on the podcast on Thursday, the M.O. for beating this team was rushing three and dropping eight. Now, as I was in a conversation with somebody on Facebook during the game tonight, if you're going to rush three and you're going to drop eight into coverage, those eight actually have to cover people. But what it seemed like Georgia's plan was, was to back up, let Mississippi State catch the ball, and then tackle them. And Mississippi State in the first half just drove down the field time and time again on Georgia, seven yards on first down four or five yards on second down. They barely even got to third down. When they did, it was a third and one or a third and two. It was infuriating to watch the Georgia defense try to match up in the first half with this Mississippi State offense. And, you know, I, I, I likened it a lot, and I, I don't think I even said it on the podcast, but Kirby mentioned in his Monday press conference that playing this offense was a lot like playing the option. And after watching the game, that is exactly what it felt like because there were some games during the Paul Johnson era at Tech where you just know they're not even playing that good, but the option is just working, and for whatever reason, you can't stop it. And it's not like they're gashing you on every single play. It's not like they're doing anything extremely special. They're just beating you. They're just beating you at football, and it's absolutely insane and, and, and just infuriating to watch a team drive up and down the field on 
a very talented Georgia defense. Now, schematically, the only thing Georgia could have done differently, in my opinion, is done a better job of actually covering the receivers downfield. It's like they were they were playing zone, but because Georgia doesn't play zone very much, they just weren't very good at it. They were very bad at covering the underneath routes. And, uh, you know, I, I listen, I tried to sync up a lot of the times when I'm watching the game. I like the UGA sports uh, podcast. Excuse me, not po- podcast. They do a watch along with Jim Donnan. And Donnan is just, I mean, it's it's amazing to sit there and listen to him analyze the game and talk about our guys and talk about pre-snap, what they, you know, what their setup is and what they're probably going to do and what to keep an eye on for. I mean, if you haven't looked at it or you haven't listened to it, it's on YouTube. It, I couldn't get it synced up tonight. Um, there was something just wrong with my iPad and it just wasn't syncing up. So I gave up on it. But but Donnan early in the first half was just talking about the fact that, like, our guys were just giving too much cushion. There's nothing wrong with dropping into coverage. That's the way you beat this offense. But they were dropping too deep. They were giving too much. They were giving too much of a cushion. Finally, in the second half, Georgia was able to cover a little bit better, to tackle a little bit better, to be very selective of when they come with a little bit of pressure. One thing that I, I saw in the second half specifically late in the third quarter, early in the fourth quarter, that I thought worked a lot was multiple guys on the line of scrimmage and then dropping certain guys and then bringing other guys. And that seemed to work a lot better because early in the first half, Georgia just went with a traditional three down linemen, six defensive backs and two linebackers, like I I said they would. But all of those guys were just backpedaling. As soon as, I mean, even pre-snap in a lot of situations, but as soon as the ball snapped, they're just backpedaling, and you just had these receivers and backs and tight ends for Mississippi State running underneath, turning around, catching the ball. I mean, it was absolutely too easy on Mississippi State in the first half. Combine that with the fact that I don't remember a single penalty on Mississippi State's offense through the entire game which is a credit to them. They didn't make mistakes. They didn't kill themselves. They didn't hurt themselves. I think maybe one time they had like a third and 11 and we ended up getting them off the field, but they just, they were extremely efficient and you have to give them credit for that. I mean, as a Georgia fan, obviously it's aggravating to watch that, but at the same time, you have to credit the offense for just clicking and they were clicking for the entire first half and they got clicking early in the second half credit to Georgia, and now we'll pivot from the bad to the good, they finally figured it out. And in the second half, Georgia only gave up seven points to this Mississippi State offense. They did adjust. It was a bend and don't break kind of situation, which is exactly what you have to do. That was the game plan all along. So they eventually got it right. But if you had any confidence, even on the last drive of the game, if you had any confidence that Georgia was going to be able to to get another stop and to win the game, you're a better person than I am. Because as soon as the commentators kind of talked about, Dave Neal, I think, is the one that said, you know, is Mike Leach the kind of guy that if Mississippi State scores, he would go for two and go for the win? My stomach dropped. I was, it, it, it was like, oh God, I hadn't even thought about that. And luckily Georgia stopped them on that set of downs and I didn't have to mull that for too long, but man, that was a frightening, frightening thought because I think that's exactly 
what Mike Leach would have done. He would have gone for the win. There wouldn't have been overtime. Um, so they eventually got it right on defense, but a lot of questions. A lot of questions. Now, what Georgia has going positively for its defense moving forward is that you play South Carolina next week. They've been struggling on offense, on defense. They've been struggling in general. You got Vanderbilt the following week, and then the potential of having a makeup game with uh, Missouri either on the 12th of December or on the 19th of December uh, is still out there. So Georgia doesn't really play another good offense until whenever that Missouri game is going to be played, which I don't know if that's good or not. If, if I think if South Carolina ends up scoring 20 or 25 points on this Georgia defense, that's going to feel awful. And so Kirby's definitely going to have some things that he can do this week to motivate the defense because they were good enough, I guess, but nobody that watched that game could believe at all that Anything that happened defensively, honestly, was good. It was just good enough. And on tonight, we'll take it. Moving to the offensive side of the ball, let's start with the bad. Again, we we need to stay true to who we are as a fan base, and we are a negative group of people. If you don't believe me, Twitter, any message board you can find, Facebook will probably do it for you as well. There's way more people wanting to be negative about Georgia then there are positive. Um, Georgia ran for eight yards in this football game. Eight. Now, on the first play from scrimmage against Florida, Georgia had a a 75-yard touchdown run. That was essentially 10 times more yards on that one run than Georgia managed to get over four quarters against a very mediocre defense from Mississippi State. Now, You'll hear that they, they said it during the broadcast. Donnan said it on the, the, the watch along. Mississippi State has been known for years for having good defensive linemen. But Georgia's inability to run the ball tonight was amazing. It was absolutely amazing. You would have thought at some point they would have just messed up and one of our backs would have broken a tackle and, and got 10 or 12 yards. But it never happened. Zamir White looked awful. He kept getting carries. I'm not sure why. James Cook got multiple carries. He looked completely terrible. The couple of times they handed the ball off to McIntosh, he danced around a little bit, but he got nothing going. It was as bad of an offensive performance from a running standpoint as I can remember. Um, Maybe maybe over the the weekend I will take a look and try to find a comparable running performance. I, I can't imagine when it would have happened. Uh, it was absolutely awful, and again, good enough for tonight, but the the lack of ability to run the ball, what it really translated to was this. Two possessions in the fourth quarter where Mississippi State had the ball driving with an opportunity to tie the game. If Georgia could have run the ball at all during this game, you would have felt better and you would have been able, especially on the last offensive drive that Georgia had before they took knees to to finish the game out, you would have felt better about turning around and just being able to pound this defense um, and and run the ball and run the clock out. That's what Georgia would want to do. That's, That's their MO. That's Kirby Smart's preference. They couldn't do that. They were out there having to throw the ball because that was the only way they could move it. So the run game 
gets just a you know, much like the defense. I feel the same about the run game as I do about the defense. Is this an outlier or is something really wrong here? Um, and there's only only time will give us that answer. There's no way to answer it tonight. But instant re- reaction is what in the world is going on with Georgia's run game? Because we have too much talent on the offensive line, even if it's being rebuilt. There's too much talent on the offensive line. There's too much talent at the running back position. And there's too much of a desire from Georgia, from Kirby Smart, to want to run the ball, to suck at it that bad. It's it's impossible to be that bad at running the ball. Mississippi State, as I pointed out in the podcast on Thursday previewing this game, Mississippi State hates running the ball, and they ran for way more yards tonight than Georgia ran for. So it is absolutely astonishing that Georgia could be as bad at running the ball as they were tonight. And that, from an offensive standpoint, is absolutely the bad. Now, if you're listening to this podcast, and if, if you were getting ready to hear an instant reaction, you probably thought where I'm actually, I would start where I'm going to end up. And again, everybody's going to want to jump to conclusions. But let's start with the facts. The facts are that JT Daniels tonight threw for 401 yards, four touchdowns, 28 of 38 passing. He is the first Georgia quarterback to break the 400-yard mark since Aaron Murray. In 2013, in the game against Auburn, that ended up being the prayer at Jordan-Hare. So, Aaron Murray, who is now a commentator, podcaster, you know, he... He was the quarterback who did this 2013, seven years ago, more than seven years ago, because that game was played in early November, seven plus years since Georgia has had a quarterback have an offensive, productive offensive performance like this, 401 yards, four touchdowns. We will talk much more about JT Daniels. You can believe that. We will talk a lot more about JT Daniels on Monday's podcast and then obviously previewing the game against South Carolina next week. But let's stick to the facts for now. Uh, The last time Georgia had a quarterback that threw for this many yards, Kirby Smart was still the defensive coordinator at Alabama and was still two years away from getting the Georgia job. I mean, it's been a long time since we've seen something like this. Pickens had a touchdown. Uh, Jackson, Kyrus Jackson had a touchdown. Jermaine Burton had two touchdowns. He, Jermaine Burton, had eight receptions for 197 yards. That is only five or eight yards, eight yards short of the single game record for Georgia history. This was an historic passing performance for JT Daniels in his first start. So that's the good. And I I put out a Facebook post, you know, at halftime. Georgia has its quarterback. Now, does that mean JT Daniels is the greatest quarterback in the history of college football? We should just give the Heisman now and now and the the next two Heismans. And that, you know, if fair was fair, Georgia would get the playoff this year because, yeah, we lost a couple games. But obviously with him, he was the greatest team in college football history. No, no, no. This was the greatest debut in Georgia quarterback history, at least – in my lifetime, since 1985. This is the greatest debut. There's nobody that's ever come out of the gate better than this. However, it's one game. It's one game, and the offense itself did not have a great game. We had a great passing game. 
Georgia still needs to be balanced because to beat the best teams, not to beat Mississippi State at home, you know, when when Mississippi State had 49 scholarship guys making this trip. You don't have to have balance to beat that team. But to beat a good team, to beat Missouri, to probably beat South Carolina next week, you are going to have to be able to be more effective offensively. But the things that I saw, and I'll rewatch the game tomorrow, um, the things I saw tonight, Daniels just looked insanely comfortable in this offense. And as I was getting ready, I was looking up some stats and stuff, getting ready to come and record the podcast. I saw some quotes that Daniels gave after the game. Um, and I'll try to get some audio on it and, and put it into the next podcast on Monday. But um, this young man is not lacking for confidence. Uh, he is he is a very confident person to the point that after one game, at least for me, I'm like, OK, let's back off a little bit. But, um, you know, one of the reporters, apparently I'll just leave, I'll give you this one. One of the reporters asked him, are you surprised at the numbers that you were able to put up in your first start? And his answer was absolutely not. Um, so he's obviously very talented from an arm strength standpoint. He's obviously very confident from a personality standpoint. Uh, I saw our receivers make more plays tonight than I feel like I've seen them make in a decade combined. I mean, our guys were going up and going after the ball. They were attacking the ball when it was in the air. What a competent quarterback looks like in this offense. Um, it's exciting. and. While we don't know where all this ends, you know, what we know right now is that Georgia's going to go, they've moved to 5-2 and two on the season. They're going to go play South Carolina and Columbia next Saturday night at 7.30. That's what we know. But I think it is fair to say that after this performance, what we do have is what I talked about needing on Thursday, which essentially is hope. Hope that there was going to be an answer at the quarterback position moving forward. So what we need to see from JT Daniels, does he have to throw for 400 yards every week? Absolutely not. We need to see him continue to make the throws that he made tonight. Continue to be able to attack opposing defenses. Continue to be able to more and more be confident to check at the line of scrimmage. To make sure that he's got his protections right. Pre-snap to do all the things that seemed like he was doing pretty well tonight to continue to grow in that, to continue to grow in his timing, making sure his accuracy stays. That was what was so impressive to me tonight is how accurate he was with the ball. Multiple times, he threw it over defenders to open receivers. I know that sounds like a stupid thing. And when I say throw over, I'm not talking about like the big bombs. I'm talking about he threw like a 15-yard pass that went over a linebacker and into a receiver's hand. Our Our quarterbacks have not been doing that. Guys, Jake Fromm. Did not do that. Jake Fromm didn't throw the ball over the middle. Jake Fromm was the king, and I mean, I, I'm not saying this in a negative way. He was the king at the back shoulder throw on the sideline. The safest throw in college football. And Daniels did that a couple times tonight, too. It's a great throw. But what Daniels showed on the first touchdown to Burton was the ability to kind of move around a little bit more than I thought he was going to be able to. But for him to be able to put kind of a I don't even know how to describe it. it it's, it's it's kind of like a like a little, little like dip on the ball to where you throw it and you kind of go right over a guy and then dink right into somebody's hands. And so it was impressive. And it's given me hope that for the next couple of weeks, for the rest of this season, going into bowl practice and ultimately a bowl game, that JT Daniels will be able to continue to progress to where when Georgia shows up in Charlotte next September, 
to play Clemson to open the season that we don't feel like we're 0-1 and then let's see what the second game of the season holds. Now listen, if Clemson brings everybody back and everybody is essentially, you know, their quarterback, <laughs> if, if Clemson brings everybody back, you have to think Clemson's going to be favored in that game. Okay, because Clemson's probably going to go to the playoff. Clemson might actually, you know, absolutely win a national championship this year. Clemson is an elite team. But Georgia was a very good team that was missing a quarterback, and tonight you have a hope that maybe we have our quarterback. Now, this time next week, we could be going, oh, my God, it was an aberration. And I think that's the thing that everybody needs to do. Enjoy this. Enjoy this performance. Be excited about it but put it in its context, even in an instant reaction setting. Don't go crazy. You know, Roman Harper on the SEC Network show that followed the game tonight said, you know, JT Daniels is draft eligible. As if a guy who's been injured for a year and a half, who played as a freshman in 2018, played in three quarters of a game in 2019, and came in and threw for 400 yards, that he is going to go to the draft now. That's the kind of stuff that doesn't make any sense. I mean, it's 2020. I guess anything can happen. We started this year with people picking pinkies up off the floor and transferring to Tennessee because of, you know, problems in dad's bedroom. So I guess it could happen. And it wouldn't honestly be the strangest thing that's happened this year, even just from a football standpoint. But at the end of the day, what you got to hope is that JT Daniels can build for the rest of this season all of these receivers are coming back. Everybody except Zamir White, as far as the, the, the skill players on offense, should be back next year. Georgia has a, a chance to change their identity on offense. And now it's just a question of if that's where Kirby Smart wants to go. And it's obvious that Todd Munkin can, can call this offense. Guys have been open all year. Our quarterbacks haven't been able to make the throws. Tonight, our quarterback made the throw, and he established himself as the quarterback moving forward. Now the question comes, is this what Kirby is going to allow to happen week to week? Will Georgia come out against South Carolina next Saturday night and try to run it between the tackles and then end up on, you know, first couple of drives, third and 11, trying to see if JT can get out there and make those third down throws that he made so well tonight? He was amazing on third down tonight, but we can't survive in the SEC that way. So what I want to see is I want to see more. I want to see more JT Daniels. I want to see more passing. Yes, I want to see us run the ball better, but I want us to move into a more modern offense that's going to be more based on the vertical passing game and less based on running the ball 45 or 50 times a game. And a lot of Georgia fans, especially if it's not working, Georgia fans are going to have to get used to it. It's different. It's not what we're used to, but you know what we're also not used to? Winning national championships. And this, I'm not saying that's where we're headed, but the style of quarterback, the style of game that Daniels played tonight is the style of quarterback and the style of game that wins national championships. Trevor Lawrence, Joe Burrow, Justin Fields, you know, Mac Jones, Kyle Trask. These guys are throwing the ball all over the field, and their teams are the ones that are in the race this year for the national championship and their teams are the ones over the last few years who have won national championships. You cannot win a national championship with Jake Fromm. As close as we came, that's not, I mean, 17 was the aberration. That was the last time it might've been possible, but 
You can't do it like that anymore. You got to have a playmaker. And if the postgame press conference is anything, Daniels has got Burrow-esque confidence. And I don't know that that's a bad thing. So that's where I'm at. It was much more stressful than I was anticipating. I thought this was going to be a nice evening. And it was all about, you know, will Daniels be good enough? He had to be every inch of amazing today just for Georgia to win. And I think that's where we need to understand. The team did not play well tonight. The quarterback and the receivers played great. The offensive line did a fairly good job of pass blocking. But as a team effort, this is like a D or a C grade. And you you got a historic performance from JT Daniels, and you needed every single bit of it to beat a Mississippi State team that – Let's finish with this. Kudos to Mississippi State. Kudos to their administration, Mike Leach, their players. 49 scholarship athletes made the trip to Athens. They only travel, they didn't even travel 60 guys on the trip. So obviously, non scholarship players making up the difference there. Mississippi State, by the rules set out by the SEC, did not have to play this game. They could have said, we don't have enough guys to play. We're not going to play. Not only did they opt to play, which took a lot of, I, I don't know if courage is the right word, but I, it, it took a lot of moxie to say, you know what? We're going to go play the 13th ranked team in the nation on their home field at night. Not only did they make the decision to actually do that, they played their butts off. They played really, really well. And I know Georgia fans, because we are negative, we just assume that we suck and everything that the other team does well, they never actually did anything well. It's just we suck. You have to give a lot of credit to Mississippi State for the way they played tonight. Like I said earlier, their offense was clicking in a way that did Georgia do a good job to stop it in the first half? They absolutely did not. I'm not 100% sure what we could have done differently. That guy was dealing in the first half. And sometimes you just run into a guy with a hot hand. If you don't believe me, ask Mississippi State. They ran into JT Daniels tonight. So big kudos to Mike Leach. Big kudos to Mississippi State, their entire team, their entire athletic department. Georgia needed to play this game. Mississippi State, based on what they said, they that's why they came, is they needed reps. They needed to play. Um, I'm glad this game was played. I cannot, you would not have been able to convince me on Thursday when I recorded my preview podcast that it would have been this close. But hey, a win is a win. Georgia moves to 5-2. and We'll play South Carolina next week. Uh, and the hits keep on coming. But for the first time this year, if you're a Georgia fan, we'll end with this. For the first time this year, you have to have hope about what we have at the quarterback position, not for next week, but for the medium and long-term future of this program. At least now there's a little bit of hope. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast tonight or today or whenever you listen to it. I really appreciate everybody that listens. I love doing this. My wife appreciates me being able to get all of this out so I don't try to tell her about all of it. So thank you for listening. Have a great rest of your weekend and Even at midnight on Saturday night when we barely beat the Bizarro Bulldogs, go dogs.